The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. I love this story. It's one of my favorites. And as it happens, all four of the Gospels tell about Jesus' anointing in slightly different ways. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it takes place in the home of a man named Simon, sometimes called Simon the leper, about whom we know very little. And it is carried out by an unnamed woman who appears to be a stranger to Jesus. In the Gospel of John, however, the setting is much more personal. Jesus and his disciples are enjoying a dinner at the home of very close friends, the man Lazarus and his sisters Martha and Mary. Though it is not described as such, it seems that this dinner is meant to serve as an expression of the family's gratitude, for it takes place a while after, a short while after Jesus has miraculously raised Lazarus from the dead. You remember the story. After receiving word that his friend is gravely ill, Jesus waits to go to him until it is too late. When he finally arrives, the distraught sisters express their belief that their brother would be alive if only a Jesus had come earlier. Moved by their grief, Jesus has the stone rolled away from the cave where Lazarus' body lies, even though Mary protests that there will be a stench. He prays, and Lazarus emerges from the tomb, still wrapped in his grave clothes. That's pretty familiar to a lot of us, but what you may not recall is the aftermath of this miracle. Lazarus' raising causes many to believe in Jesus, but there are others who are not so sure, and they are quick to take the news to the Jewish high council. Concerned that Jesus' popularity with the crowds, with the people, might upset the delicate balance of power that the council holds with the Roman overseers, the high priest Caiaphas tells them, it is better for you to have one man to die for the people than to have the whole nation destroyed. Whereupon the council decides that Jesus must die. Hearing this, Jesus briefly withdraws to a remote area with his disciples, but as the Passover festival approaches, he decides it is indeed time to go to Jerusalem, knowing what fate awaits him there. On the way, though, he stops in Bethany and is welcomed to a dinner given in his honor by Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. I want you to kind of picture it. Guests reclining around a low table, with Jesus in the place of honor next to a still befuddled Lazarus. His sister Martha, all business, bustling around the table, offering food she has prepared first to Jesus, then to Lazarus, leaving the disciples to fend for themselves. And then there's Mary. She's helping her sister, of course, but it's clear that her mind is elsewhere. Finally, she leaves the room, and after a short while, she returns and goes to Jesus. No one pays her any attention until a sweet, musky odor begins to rise, and it becomes impossible to ignore what Mary is doing. Suddenly, everyone realizes that Mary has poured perfume over Jesus' feet and is wiping his feet with her unbound hair. Can you imagine? Not only is she touching Jesus in an intimate way, but she has anointed his feet with an entire pound of perfume. I can't even imagine 
what size bottle would hold a pound of perfume? And, and this is not the cheap stuff you might buy at CVS or Rite Aid. This is the good stuff, the expensive stuff, perfume that costs almost as much as a year's wages for a manual laborer. The house is filled with its fragrance, a fragrance that cannot be ignored or escaped, a fragrance that will linger long after the dinner is over and will leave with the guests. It is an extravagant gesture, and it means much more than just a simple thank you. This is an act of respect, of honor, of love, the kind of love that words cannot express, that must be acted out. Have you ever been the recipient of an extravagant, over-the-top gift? I don't recall anything on the level of what Mary gave, but I do remember the day that my husband, Don, sent a dozen gorgeous, long-stemmed red roses to my workplace because it was the 25th anniversary of the first time he told me he loved me. Exactly. Aw. <laughs> I was absolutely blown away. You still get kudos for that. There you go. <laughs> At the same time, I also remembering receiving gifts from others that made me uncomfortable because they felt, well, too generous. Too generous. I suspect that many in that room the day, that day felt uneasy because it just seemed so strange that Mary would do this too over the top, too extravagant. But it is Judas Iscariot who breaks the silence. Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He demands. Okay, we all know that Judas is going to betray Jesus to the, to the authorities, but just for the moment, I'm gonna ignore that and I'm gonna ignore the gospel writer's comment about Judas being a thief because Judas is actually being very practical here. I mean, he's saying exactly what most of us would say. That perfume was worth a lot of money and selling it and giving the money of the, to the poor could have done a lot of good. To pour it over one man's feet is such a waste, an incredible waste of valuable resources. We've all been in situations like this too, haven't we? Situations where much needed funds are being used for something that seems unnecessary, even frivolous. New music for the choir, they've already got plenty. A new couch for the youth room, uh, they'll just tear it up. A new piece of equipment for the office, surely we can fix the old one. That money can be used for better things, put to better use. Judas is absolutely right. That perfume could have been put to better use. Besides, Mary's gesture is just too much. Ugh, like the fragrance wafting through the house, it is overwhelming. And as theologian Catherine Lewis points out, most people do not know what to do with this kind of love. In fact, we don't trust it. We can't imagine ourselves or anyone else to be worthy of such love. We expect Jesus to stop Mary saying, really, that's very sweet, but it's not necessary. 
or thanks Mary, but I'm sure someone else deserves this more than I do, or you really shouldn't Mary. But Jesus doesn't say any of those things. In fact, he doesn't say anything. He simply sits and silently, lovingly accepts her gift. He allows her to wash his feet with the perfume and wipe them with her hair, just as in a few days he will wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with a towel in a gesture of love that mirrors hers. Mary cares for Jesus while she can. And given the rejection and hatred that he will soon face, Jesus needs this unabashed gesture of love. Whether she knows it or not, he understands that she has anointed his body for burial and he is able to rest in that grace. Judas doesn't understand this, and maybe we don't either. So many people have taken Jesus' rebuke of Judas, you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me, to mean that we don't need to care for the poor. But that is not what Jesus is saying, not what he's saying there, not what his whole life has said. His words are a reference to God's commandment in Deuteronomy 15:11 in the Old Testament, which reads, since there will never cease to be some in need on earth, I therefore command you, open your hand to the poor and needy neighbor in your land. Jesus says this to Judas because he knows that Judas has missed the whole point of Mary's gift. He understands, Jesus understands, that in some way Mary knows who he is and what he will face. And so she pours out her perfume, all that she has, to the one who is about to give all that he has. She offers an extravagant gesture of love to the one who will soon pour out his life in an even more greater gesture of love for her and for all of us. Judas was Jesus' disciple, but so is Mary, and she has the right of it this day. In the words of Professor Justo El Gonzalez, Mary spills her perfume with wild abandon for no other reason than this. Jesus is there. And the fragrance of the perfume fills the house. This story of Jesus' anointing calls us <clears throat> from wrestling with the past and worrying about the future, calls us into the present moment. It encourages us to stop counting the cost, to let go of competing demands, and to focus on that which truly matters, our relationship with Jesus Christ. Reverend Janet Hunk, Hunt writes a blog that I am delighted by called Dancing with the Word, and her most recent entry brought me up short the other day. She writes, I pray that I'm not Judas, and while it may be so that I am not Judas, I am like him as long as I give too much priority, in the best sense of the word, to the poor wherever they are encountered, without first simply kneeling at the feet of the one, Jesus, who is at the center of our call to serve the poor. 
As long as this is, so then I too stand in danger of becoming the worst of we who understand Judas to have been. For those who follow Jesus, any service to the poor becomes empty when separated from the adoration of the one who is the model, mentor, guide, and gift, source of life and power, hope, and forgiveness. Indeed, it can become self-serving at worst and draining of life itself at best, it seems to me. When I read this, I was reminded that over that, the past few days, I had been so caught up in trying to get things done that I had neglected to take time to ponder the scriptures, to write in my journal, and to pray. Not good. Our lives are busy. There are jobs to do, children and parents and ourselves to care for, the poor to help, church to run. But maybe we need to take a cue from Mary and waste a little of our precious time and energy and love on Jesus. Barbara Brown Taylor says it well. When we come to church or we spend time in that transfigured space, which is Sabbath, it is not just for the sake of the mission and the agenda that lies ahead of us. It's also to be there, to have some time like this in Bethany, to cherish the gift of Christ in the now and to anoint him already while he is our guest. Even Jesus stopped to have dinner on the way to Jerusalem. We are on our way to Jerusalem too. Along the way, may we catch the scent of Mary's perfume and let the fragrance of Jesus' love permeate our minds, our hearts, and our souls so that we might in turn dare to his extravagant, over-the-top, grace-filled love with others in his name. May it be so. Amen.